0: Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and change makers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of Ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, We're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Leaders of the West. Today, we are sitting down with the one and only Tara Vander Dusen. And I am so excited, you guys. She is a wealth of information and knowledge, and she is someone who I am consistently inspired by in her career journey. And so I'm really excited for her to get to share that with you guys and hopefully inspire some of you who feel like you are on the right path, but also not at the same time. So Tara, can we get started by having you tell us a little bit about your career journey and then your background as a dairy farmer?
1: Yeah. So my career journey, I'm excited actually to talk with you about this day because it has been a journey and where I have ended up now is probably not what I would have expected when I like graduated from college. So yeah, I'm a fifth generation dairy farmer and I grew up on my family's dairy in New Mexico. So born and raised in New Mexico in the Southwest went away to college to get my degree in environmental science. And while I was there, I started dating my husband, who is actually a dairy farmer just down the road from my parents. So when I graduated, I moved back, got married to him and moved on to his family farm. And that's where we're, we currently are still at. We dairy farm with his parents and several of his brothers and their families. And I actually used my degree. I was like one of those few people that actually did use my degree. I became an environmental consultant, dairy farms throughout New Mexico. It wasn't necessarily what I expected to do when I got that degree, but it fit really great with my background and then um, with, you know, just the degree choice I had. And so I did that for about 10 years. And essentially what I did was I helped dairy farms with environmental regulations. That's like the simplest way to put it, but it was anything from water conservation to manure management to soil health. And I spent a lot of time like sampling water, sampling lagoons, analyzing data. That was like my full-time job. And then about seven years ago, when my daughter was my oldest daughter was pretty little, I decided to start sharing online. And it really was because I was seeing so much misinformation in all of those like mom Facebook groups you think of. And a lot of it was about dairy and dairy's impact on the environment and all these things. And so I decided to start sharing. And it was kind of weird because I don't work with cows like at all. Like I don't have like a traditional job on my family's dairy. I had dairy farmers as clients. And so I wasn't even like really sure what I was going to share about because I was seeing all these other dairy farmers online sharing. And obviously they were sharing about like milking the cows, working with the cows. And so I just took a completely different approach and was like, I'm going to be sharing about sampling water and water, you know, conservation and all those things I kind of mentioned. And then it has obviously evolved and grown into what we have now. And I actually two over two years ago left my job as an environmental consultant to just full time pursue kind of like, I don't, I never know what to call it, like content creation, social media, entrepreneur, not really sure. I still do some environmental work. I actually spent this morning sampling um, all morning with my husband on our farm. So I still get to do some of that stuff. But I'd spend a lot more time on social media, doing speaking engagements, and then my favorite, just like probably you're finding out, podcasting. I podcast with my co-host Natalie, and it is incredible. I absolutely love to do it.
0: Well, that is perfect. So I want to back up real quick because you grew up on a dairy. Your husband was just down the road. He's in a dairy. You did sampling for dairies. But is that what then drew you to a career in environmental science? Or did you go, like, did you know that you were going to be in environmental science and work in the dairy industry? Or is it just happenstance?
1: Yeah, such a good question. Actually, I was one of those people that changed my major nine times in college. And my, my parents had one rule. I was there on an academic scholarship. I went out of state to the University of Arizona. And my parents were like, you have to finish in four. Like that was when my scholarship, it was a four-year scholarship. And so changing your major that many times and still finishing in four was somewhat of a challenge, but uh, I accomplished it. I always was in like the science space. I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I took one environmental class as kind of like, I don't think it was like a gen ed. It was a gen ed for like agriculture majors kind of and I absolutely fell in love with it. At the same time, my dad was a part of a group who was trying to write new regulations for New Mexico's dairy environmental like policy. So basically, so dairy farmers would know exactly what was expected of them for different requirements. And I went to some of those meetings probably my sophomore year, and I just remember being like, you guys want the same thing. You both want to protect groundwater. You want to protect soil health but you guys are not talking the same language. Like you're, you're coming at it as like very opposing arguments, even though you want the same thing. And so obviously like very formative years in my career. So I don't know, I feel like the seed was planted then that like I would come back and kind of be like that liaison. And that's exactly what I was. It was a liaison between my clients, the dairy farmers and their regulators at the state and federal level. And I just, I really loved the environmental science degree. It's a really long title. It's actually soil, water, and environmental science. And then I focused in policy and law and soil chemistry. And just if you listen to all those words, there was a lot going on. And if I think now, like looking at it, like obviously I'm a very like multifaceted person with lots of interests. So I loved that we were doing like law some days and we were doing, you know, soil chemistry another day. And it was just like all encompassing. For a while, I did think I would take my degree and actually go to law school because I. so I took my LSAT and all of that. And there is not a law school in rural New Mexico. So I had to make some tough choices once I graduated. And I can't tell you how glad I am that I did not go to law school and that I started working and just like pursuing my career, pursuing my passions like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be.
0: So you talked a little bit about it, but for those who maybe aren't super familiar with environmental science and environmental scientists, what exactly did you do? So you talked about being a liaison yep. between your clients and you know the government, state, and the federal level. Is that the traditional route of an environmental science or kind of paint us a picture? Yeah.
1: So when I got my degree, I remember like some of my girlfriends in college being like, I don't know what you're going to do with that. And it's so funny now, like 15 years later, like lots of companies have an environmental scientist either on staff or hire like a consultant. Like there's tons of industries that need an environmental consultant. So post-college, I remember like jobs, you know, you could have gone and worked for like a a big company like out of Dallas or or lots of places. Dallas was kind of obviously in the Southwest kind of where I wanted to be. Um, But you could have worked for a company that, you know, did consulting for you could have done like oil and gas. You could have done, you know, pretty much everything I feel like needs an environmental scientist. I know a lot of people do like park service. There's tons of different options, whether logging, um, mining. I went to school in Arizona where mining is huge and they have a lot of my uh, degree work was in like how to use the dirt you pull out of the mine and like what to do with that. Like how do we make sure that we turn that dirt into something useful, like be able to grow plants on it again a lot of environmental science is involved in wastewater treatment plants. Not everyone's favorite topic, but obviously something that is uh, needed everywhere in the country. And so a lot of work there. And so it really, it was like all over the place. You could do a ton of different things. And I think that's why the degree path was like as broad as it was, is because they wanted to give you kind of a taste of a few different things so that when you got to the next level, you could take that and kind of run with it. And so for me in the dairy space, it was representing, like I said, clients and sampling their water. So making sure they're protecting groundwater, making sure they're not over applying nutrients onto their crops. Like that was more my area of expertise. They have to have a permit to be able to milk cows in New Mexico. And it's an environmental permit. So making like, you know, applying for their application, taking them through that process and then working with NRCS too, I filled out a ton of equip applications for my clients, helped walk them through like the equip process at NRCS and getting them funding for different environmental projects. And so kind of that was the direction I took with it.
0: So I feel like for people who maybe know you, but don't know as much of you on the career side of things, I don't necessarily think it's far off when I say that people probably don't envision you as an environmental scientist And that's not because you are a woman, but it's just because with all that you do when it comes to sharing online, co-hosting your podcast, speaking, which you haven't talked about yet, but that is something that you are also really well known for, you know, that is really, really inspiring because you are using your degree to do all of that, but not in the traditional route. So how did you make that move from the traditional career path to what your career looks like now?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's funny when I made that transition, I felt a ton of imposter syndrome and just felt like I was like giving up what I had like worked really hard for, right? Like I kept telling my husband like I'm not like I won't be an environmental consultant anymore if I quit my job and he was like just because you change career paths doesn't mean like it discounts, you know, your 10 years of work in that field. And so I had a ton of like I really really struggled with leaving my job but it's crazy how much of your life's journey like leads you to where you are now even though it may be something unrelated completely different and you know for me I get to like bring it over into conversations that I have online with people helping explain what dairy farmers are doing to be more sustainable or bringing it over to the podcast when we get more like technical areas and so it definitely I still use it it's just in a different way I guess
0: Well, and one of the things like I alluded to earlier, and you haven't talked about, but I'm going to get you to talk about that is your speaking career. So one of the things that I think that you really stand out about is how much factual knowledge you bring to the table because of that experience and that, you know, sector of your education, if you will. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in your speaking career? And will you also mention a few of your speaking accolades because you've got one? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, I feel like when you first start sharing online, this was my experience, but I think it's similar for a lot of people. You really have no idea where it's going to take you or what's going to happen or like the doors it's going to open. And I feel like you kind of just start becoming like a yes woman, like just saying yes to different opportunities and figuring out what you even like or where you want to go with things. And I remember the first time I spoke, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to get on stage. I want to engage with people. I want to have that time after you get off stage where people come up and they're asking you questions and you're just very like, it's very engaging in conversation. And I, uh, yeah, I fell in love with it. It is very, I take a very fact-based approach to all of my sharing, whether that's speaking or on social media. And I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it served me in other ways, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself to be like more relatable and less fact-based, like where I gesture the the information, but no, I do really love to speak. And it has opened up some really cool doors in that way. I've gotten to speak at the Forbes Ag Tech Summit, which was really cool. They wrote up an article about the panel I was on and talked about dairy farming in Forbes, which just felt like So, you know, I don't know, really powerful that like you got to bring dairy farming to people reading a magazine like Forbes. um, I got to be on a panel at the UN FAO, so the Food and Agriculture Organization on food security. And I recently went to the UN again. I did not speak, but was kind of in the background of the negotiations for gender equality in the agri-food system. So really cool work as far as like women getting to like own property, own livestock, apply for farm loans. We think about gender equality I think in the United States as something completely different than what it is in developing nations or in other countries that maybe have different religious views about women. It really has been cool to be a part of that. Like I'm always so honored to just be included in being able to go there, attend things. And again, it was just something I never would have known I loved had I not just like given it a shot and realized public speaking is is my jam. <laughs>
0: Well, one of the things that you you alluded to is that you are a facts-based person, which I love about you because at the end of the day, science is rooted in facts. And I actually feel like that's one of the reasons that you are so successful at what you do is because you present the facts, but in a way that people can relate to them and understand. And that's something that I feel like not everybody has a really good pulse on. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you've developed that strategy of how you bring relatability and facts and kind of mix them together as one?
1: Yeah, I think with social media one of the great things is we get to show people while we tell them and showing people can be, you know, there's that saying right like a picture's worth a thousand words. But you can really like take them along then on like what's going on. Like one of my favorite posts that I did, and I think it, it sums up how I approach a lot of posts, is take a really, really complicated process and try to break it down in a very bite-sized piece. Like I always tell people, I know there's a lot to talk about in ag, but you have 365 days a year and multiple years of sharing. Like this is a marathon. Like you don't have to share everything in a single post. You can really hone in on one piece. And so, for example... At one point, I remember there were so many things about like cows being fed corn. Like I feel like it was like the cowspiracy kind of point in our lives um, where that was going around. And I just took a picture of corn silage and put it next to like a corn on the cob. And I was like, people think we're like feeding a cow a corn on the cob. When in reality, like corn silage is a big part of their diet and that visual component, like it wasn't even that I gave any facts about corn silage or whether it was good for cows or not for people to just look at it and see like, wow, corn silage kind of looks like a salad, not like a corn on the cob. It opened up a lot of conversation. And then from there, I think is listening to the questions and comments I get and figuring out what they're rooted in. Like, what are people really misunderstanding and how can I set the record straight on that? And then it's also evolved into the fact now, you know, people kind of know me for debunking. So they'll send me stuff and ask to debunk. And if I get a video a couple times, I'm like, oh, I probably need to address that. Like, that's obviously coming up for people in their feeds or in in their news or whatever it is. So being inspired by the people that are kind of like a part of my community and seeing, you know, what are they asking me and and then breaking it down into those very small components.
0: Well, and I think you make such a good point about the analogy, right? Like how silage looks like a salad, right? When people know that salad is healthy for them. So then when they see it in that frame, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now I get it. And I love analogies for that same reason of when it comes to feedlots, I always try to explain them as like the cafeteria at school, because can you imagine if there wasn't a cafeteria and your kid was supposed to eat lunch and they were going to run around and play and do all the things? Parents are like, no, the cafeteria serves a very important purpose, right? Well, that's the same as a feedlot or you know a, a bunk or whatever it is, and then they're like, oh, I get that.
1: I've never heard that analogy, and I love it. And I do think that you have to use those analogies when it is so far out of someone's wheelhouse that they have no point of reference. You have to like bring it back to something that they they truly understand. Another like in my keynote speech, I always talk about how you know how would you run your business without your cell phone? And a lot of times, I'm talking to more tech style people, very tech savvy people. Um like at the Forbes Ag Tech Summit and I'm like and yet you expect a dairy farmer to run their business as, you know, my grandfather did in the 1950s and I actually have a picture of my grandfather in the 1950s milking a cow by hand. That's what people think is like the ideal like dairy farm situation and that's that's not. We live in 2023. Why wouldn't we use technology and all of these innovations that we have and Really, like it's improved agriculture so much. And so, being able to connect it back to something they actually do is just crucial for them understanding more about agriculture.
0: No, it really is the light bulb moment. I mentioned this earlier, but I find your career journey to be really, really inspiring because I cannot tell you how many messages that I get or that of the West gets with people saying, Hey, I have this formal education. I have experience in this field but they don't necessarily feel like they love what they do. And you are someone who you loved what you did, but you also knew okay, there's another path where I can use this knowledge that I have and take it a different direction and that's what I would like to do, right? So, right. I feel like there are a lot of people who are in that space right now. And if you cuz hindsight is 2020, right? So, if you could give them a piece of advice for somebody who's kind of navigating those waters of I have this experience, I don't want to lose it, but I also kind of want to take it a different direction or do something else with it. What would you tell them? Such a good question. I feel like one of the things
1: is I tell people like, don't get too stuck in like your ways of what you're doing. Like when I graduated from college, like I said, I can't, I don't even know. I mean, maybe there was some influencing or people sharing on social media, but there was barely Instagram. So if I had just been like, this is it, this is how, you know, this is what you do next in life, I would have missed out on so many things because our world is just so rapidly evolving of how we can make money and how careers can take different paths and look completely different. And so like keep that in mind that like as things are evolving, like it's okay to evolve with the changing times with your career because it just, Again, it brings you to places that you never expected. And then I think it's also leaning into what you actually do. Like if I had started sharing online and been like, "Okay, well, all the other dairy farmers I'm seeing online share about animal health. That's what I need to do. That would have never worked for me. Like and so. I re- just I remember being so self-conscious about sharing because I was like, I remember not I still to this day don't know what to call myself on social media because I'm like, I'm not technically a dairy farmer. But if you are from a, someone from the city and you see my page, you're going to be like, this girl's a dairy farmer. Why? Why isn't she telling anyone she's a dairy farmer? And so don't get like wrapped up in like what everyone else is doing or, or how you don't fit some mold because the mold I didn't fit like I I don't work with cows. I don't want to share about animal welfare. I wanted to share about sustainability. And like, long behold, now, you know, seven years later, sustainability and, you know, climate change and cattle's, you know, impact on the environment is like what we're all talking about. And so the fact that I leaned into what kind of like was my unique experience, I think is what drove my success online. And I think that's really similar, whether you're sharing online or pursuing some other career path, like what is unique to you is what's really going to drive your career forward because it, it's at your core, like what sets you apart and makes you different than like the other people who may be in a similar situation. So if you love what you do or even if you just like what you do, but you know you're being called in a different direction, like it's okay to like leave behind what doesn't serve you and bring along what does. So for me, I loved the science. I loved the facts. I brought that along the rigid schedule of like working for a consulting company, you know, having clients that was just no longer serving my life of where I wanted to go. And so I, I let that go. And I was sad. Like, obviously, you were letting a piece of your career go. Clients that I had had for years, I had worked up. I was earning like the most commission in my company for clients I had brought on. And I still like to let that go felt like if I had decided the next day, like, or the next month, oh, never mind, I made a mistake. I want to come back to my job. Like I wouldn't have been making the money I was making because I had to let that part go, but it was the right decision. It was no longer serving me for where I wanted to take my career. And so it's okay. I think to like, like I said, just to move forward with where, where you're being called.
0: Do you feel like you're naturally someone who is a risk taker? Do you think that that plays into that at all?
1: I would think, yes. I I don't know if you follow along like on with Enneagrams at all, but I'm an Enneagram three and I've gotten like, I am really loves the Enneagram, but essentially threes like live in the future of what's going to happen like next. And so I, I don't know if it's risk or just that I'm always like, what's happening next? Like, what are we doing next? Like, I have a hard time celebrating wins because as soon as I hit it, it's like, what's next for me? And I have to kind of, and Natalie's a three, my co-host as well. So we both have to like rein each other in because and be like, celebrate this one win. But it does make me, I think it makes me take more risks because I'm like, well, we got to get to the next spot. My husband is an Enneagram one and he lives in the past. And it makes for very difficult business decisions for us. (laughs) It's probably like our one uh, point of our marriage, like not that we fight, but it's where we like get into those good debates, which actually like I think improve, you know, your life and like where you're headed. But we approach our business strategy very different. Like he's constantly looking back at like, look how much we've accomplished. We've come so far. And I'm constantly like, gosh, we got to get on to the next step. Um, And so I do think that has played a role in like wanting to know like what is next, what else is out there and being willing to like go for it.
0: I love that. So you mentioned Discover Egg. Let's talk a little bit about that because obviously the listeners that are tuning in now are podcasters and you guys have a very... Very actually, let's just call it wildly successful podcast called Discover Ag. Oh. Tell us a little bit about it for those. I'm sure everybody knows about it, but if somebody happens to not know about it, now they have the opportunity to.
1: Oh, you're so kind. No, Discover Ag has become my co host and i like, baby, I'm sure I keep saying Natalie as if everyone knows her because I feel like people do, but Natalie Kovark is my co host. I think you're going to have her on the podcast or she already has been on. So We started our business together at the end of 2021 and we created an online course called Elevate Ag where we help farmers and ranchers share their stories online and really love that business and started a podcast to really sell that course and and interview people. We interviewed you like founders of companies and like how they use social media to drive their business. And last summer, we just realized, like, while we love that, we love sharing on social and helping people do that, at our core, the reason we started sharing was to tell people about agriculture. And so we made a massive shift at, like, the end of last year, beginning of this year, to lean all in into to discover ag, which is what our podcast is titled now, and we share with people about agriculture. And what we do is we cover the top three trending news articles in the ag and food space and kind of just give our perspective, our personal and our professional experiences on things from a farming and ranching background. And then Natalie's a pharmacist. And obviously, we've talked about my background. And so we kind of get to bring that into this science-based approach of like breaking down agriculture for people. And it goes to something you said earlier, like for me, I don't want to convince people to eat a certain food or do something a certain way. What I want to do is present all the facts to them and let them decide the best decision for their family, their budget, their lifestyle. And so that's really what we try to do on Discover Ag is like, you see something crazy in the news, we'll break it down. We'll try to give all different perspectives. Sometimes we're a little biased, but we do try to give, you know, different perspectives on things and then let people, um, you know, make the decisions that work for them.
0: So if you guys are not already tuning in to discover ag, you should be type it in, go subscribe, go follow. It's a really good show. You guys are going to love it. Okay. So I want to get to the rapid fire round. These are not necessarily rapid fire answers, but they're the questions that we ask all guests. And that first one is going to be, what is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given?
1: Oh my goodness, I know you were going to ask me some of these, but I decided I was like I'm just going to come in fresh and like see <laughs> see what, how it, how it rolls. Um no, the best piece of business advice or personal advice I've gotten is probably about the change. Kind of what I was saying like that if I like there was no even Instagram influencers when I, you know, graduated, it's it's the changing piece. Like don't get too stuck in your ways be willing to change, adapt. Um, You know, I even think about it in the form of, you know, Instagram. I remember when Reels came out, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And like now almost everything I share is Reels. Like just embrace change sometimes and see where it takes you. Um, And it kind of goes to even like how I said, like saying yes to public speaking, like just be willing to try some new things, do something new and like figure out what you really love. Uh, I feel like we tell kids to like follow their passion out of high school and college and like I didn't know my passion would be public speaking. How, like, would I know that really being that, you know, I didn't do public speaking in high school or even in college. Like, be willing to, like, try things. It's like you don't have to know your passion the second you graduate from high school or graduate from college. Try things, be willing to change with it, and then, like, you will figure out what you love very quickly.
0: Okay, that that might have been like the moment right there, because change is something so, so important, especially in our industry, because things are ever evolving. And if we want to continue to feed a growing population, obviously change is a must. Absolutely. Okay, so if you could give people any words of wisdom and you knew that they would take them to heart, what would it be? So my favorite quote, I'm
1: pulling it up this and this may be for me, but I I love this. It is a quote from Coach Carter at the movie and it says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us your playing small does not serve the world there is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you and i think that is my thing like shine be who you want to be be as big as you want take up the space you want in the world because really incredible things will come from that like your voice is needed what you have to offer the world is needed and so that'd be my my biggest piece of advice is, is be you be as, as, big and loud
0: and, and
1: incredible as you want to be.
0: Oh, that is a good one. We're definitely going to have to cut that one out and, and make it a quote card that people can share because that is a powerful one.
1: Yes. It's so good.
0: Final question. If you could go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, I knew I forgot about
1: this one. I was going to like really think about it. Gosh, this is such a hard one because I don't even know. There are like, there's so many people for so many different reasons, but being that I think if I said anyone else, my co-host would probably kill me right now. I actually think for both of us, if we could go to dinner with anyone, it would actually be Mike Rowe right now. We love his podcast. We love his TV show. If you know about Discover Ag, actually behind the scenes, we've been working on a docuseries that would pair with the podcast that would take people out on farms. We've filmed one episode and we're getting ready to film the second episode in Montana and so I would just it would be so I we both would love to pick his brain about podcasting, pick his brain about his TV show um, and just like, I don't know, just really love him. Like it, it, he just has such great things to share and um, what he gets to the world. And I think he really supports ag and blue collar jobs. And so I pick Mike Rowe.
0: OK, well, for those of you who were listening to Natalie's episode when it aired, oh, you know, she, she said? said that Mike, she said Mike Rowe. I told you guys if I said anyone else. Well, that tells you guys what a good pulse those two have on one <laughs> another. They're basically like sister wives.
1: Yes, we do try to keep a really good pulse on where each other's at. You know, that's something we, didn't, I mean, this is a business style podcast and we didn't talk about having a business partner, but I have very, very much enjoyed having a business partner. Um, and I could not have picked anyone better than Natalie. And, I'm, I will definitely text her after this and say we said the same
0: thing. <laughs> okay. So you actually bring up a great point that we didn't talk about, but because you mentioned it, let's real quick, because we've got some extra time. Let's talk about business partners. That mm-hmm. can be a really, really great opportunity, or it can be a really bad opportunity, obviously, depending on who you are partnering with or kind of what the dynamics are. You and Natalie have a very successful partnership across multiple different venues, what is one of the things that you think has been crucial to your success?
1: I would say what's been crucial to our success is leaning into our own strengths in all the ways we're similar. I think people see that a lot online is like, oh, it makes sense. You guys are really similar. We have a lot of differences about ourselves and we really, really lean into those differences and don't like double check each other. So Natalie is absolutely the creative. And if she feels really strongly about something creative, I will out say I do not feel strongly. So if you are feeling a pull one way or another, take it and run with it. I do a lot of our like more business back end things. And like there is no, there's lots of times that there's no need to involve Natalie. I can run with it, get it done. We can talk about it when it's done and over. And I think that has helped us so much where we're not like butting heads or like trying to like each take charge of something like the same thing. And then really great communication. Like there's times that she feels really strongly or I feel really strongly. We just say it and are really honest with each other. And I wonder if sometimes it has to do with our distance, like we are, you know, thousand miles apart, that we have to communicate. Like we are constantly communicating on our phone, our text. Like we don't just run in each, into each other at the office, right? Like we have to make a real point to like schedule time with each other, you know, get together and hash through things. And so I think that communication piece as well is really, really crucial. And, and just the fact that we, check in with each other that we're on the same page, like where is our passion right now? What is what's really driving us and, and just kind of keeping that on pulse for each other of like, where are we at? And where do we want to move?
0: Well, I had originally asked you guys to be guests individually on the show, because I wanted our listeners to get to know each of you in these different areas. And I did promise you guys that you would come back on the show in the future as your duo. So maybe that's the topic that we can dig into is how to have a solid business partnership relationship.
1: Oh, that'd be such a good conversation. Um, We both love business. We're kind of, I feel like, business geeks in that way that we we would love to come
0: back on. So anytime. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tara, for sitting down with us today, taking time, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge to people, especially those who are kind of trying to chart those what would you say? Turbulent career waters or just uncertain career waters? So Yeah, um,
1: good choice of words. I like that.
0: I know that your wisdom and knowledge is definitely going to give them some peace of mind and put them at ease. But real quick, I know that people are going to want to keep up with you. So where can they find you online?
1: Yeah. So if you are obviously podcast people, Jesse's already said, I hope you go follow us over on Discover Ag and give us a listen if you haven't. Um, if you are on social, you can find me at Tara Vanderdeusen on all the social channels. I hang out primarily on Instagram and LinkedIn. And actually, my husband is over on Facebook. We share together over there in kind of a different format. So you can find us there, too.
0: Perfect. And we'll make sure to link those handles in the show notes as well. So it'll be easy for you guys to find. And then last thing, if this episode was helpful for you guys, it could be for someone else. So do us a favor share your biggest takeaway from today, pop it up on stories, tag Tara, tag of the West, tag everybody and anybody, and then be sure to hit follow or subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And with that, we will see you guys back here next week. If you've loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries. And you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.